Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your host, Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, and on this episode, we have something interesting to talk about, but it's something that we talk about every single year as we get into the fall. It is the time for flu shots. So joining me today, I have Dr. Jason Daisley. He's our head of infectious disease, and he's going to be talking a little bit about why it's important for you to get your yearly flu vaccine. And I'm also joined by Leslie Murphy. She's a clinical nurse leader here at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System for out patient nursing services and she'll be talking a little bit uh, a little bit later in the show about how you go and get your vaccine once we've kind of convinced you that you need to get it if you aren't already convinced so <laughs> so we'll kind of jump right into it here um, it, it seems like it's a, a very 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 basic question right yeah. especially with the flu vaccine because flu vaccines are something that we've been dealing with our entire lives yeah. right so why is it so important for for a veteran to get vaccinated against the flu yeah so i think it's a really good question it's super good because especially right now in this era which is this you know whole COVID era that we're dealing with we're looking at flu now and it's been something that's gone on for 60 years or more that we've done this seasonal vaccine so we have a lot of data and a lot of the data really points to the fact that it does work it saves lives it keeps us functioning it keeps us at work it keeps us at school all those things we love to do and it keeps others from getting sick as well and so with all of our uh, strategies that we use this is one of the major strategies is prevention and it's the thing that we we know works the most and one thing that's important to realize is that over time our protective levels wane in our immune system we have you know our uh, immune system that's doing its job but if we are not getting vaccinated each year, then our own protection will wane. And the other problem is the fact that it changes so much every year that we really need a new vaccine because we kind of judge everything off what's going on in the Southern Hemisphere when they're having their winters because that's their cycle for flu as well. And so then we can kind of have an idea as to where they're at and then we can say, okay, this is, these are going to either be the predictive viruses that we're going to need to protect for. And that's why it's important each year to do so for everybody. So, so do we kind of follow the Southern Hemisphere? Do they follow us? Or is it kind of a rolling thing? And you've just kind of always got to be on your toes as to what the, 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 the current flavor of the month is as far as the strains <laughs> goes. And that's really the case. I think usually we're following them. I think they seem to have the lead on it in most cases, but that could always change. Definitely that could change on a dime, especially with all the other viruses that are circulating. The fact that they're all evolving, we're seeing a lot more enterovirus, a lot more rhinovirus that used to be just a common cold on those things, but now they seem to be kind of causing a little bit more complications in patients as well. So we're watching that closely as well. So is there anything different about uh, this year's flu strains from you know years past or anything like that? Like what what as these strains evolve how are they all different yeah i think that the biggest change is the fact that in previous years the last couple years we really haven't seen a lot of flu uh, we looked in the he southern hemisphere we didn't see a lot the numbers were low and then we turned out to not have as significant of numbers as before 
And so for that, that was really nice. But then we're like, okay, is this the eye of the storm? Are we just kind of waiting for something to occur later? And so I think a lot of it had to do with our mitigation strategies that were all in place. A lot of people were wearing masks. You had like super high uh, rates of mask wearing down in Australia and places like that. Not quite as high here, but overall there was a lot more mandates than what we had in the past. So that was helpful. So one thing that I've seen recently mm -hmm. in kind of talking about that, that kind of cyclical nature of things, um, you know, usually you have strains and, and they never really completely go away, right? Yeah. They, they, may be, they may be lower for a couple of years and then they kind of make a resurgence as they mutate and things like that. I saw some, some stuff on, on the internet, you know, mm -hmm. Dr. Google, right? We, we love <laughs> yeah, Dr. Google. We do. Um, that there are actually, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, so I'm just going to ask you as, a, as an infectious sure. disease doc, mm -hmm. that there are, there are flu strains that are actually because of all of the COVID measures that are, that are becoming extinct, mm -hmm. right? Instead of in a flu season where you have, you know, you might have three main ones, but then like five or six or seven little sub ones, it's, it's now narrowing down. Is, that, is there any truth to that, that there's, there's, there's strains of flu that are, that are becoming non-existent because with the protective measures, they just don't have a chance to propagate? Yeah, I think it's hard to say something like that because I think a lot of times we think that there's one dominant virus, kind of like with COVID, we saw, okay, before there was like the whole Delta virus, and then we went to Om uh, Omicron, and with Omicron, there's certain uh, sub-variants with that, and so there's only one strain that seems to, or variant that seems to be dominant one time. With flu, that's not the case. It works a little bit differently. And so I think that there's certain ones that are there, but other ones are still in the periphery. And so you have like the swine flu, there's certain numbers attached to them, H1N1 or H3N2, things like that. And you have other ones that are brought to us by uh, uh, different birds and things like that. And so I think that they're all kind of out there, but there's one that's gonna be something that we need to predict for or to protect for more than some of the other ones, you know, at any given time. So that usually they're all there. I don't think that any of them are really extinct totally. It's just they may be uh, sort of like subordinate for a little while and then dormant, and then they'll kind of reemerge over time. So don't trust what you read on the exactly. internet is basically what you're telling me. <laughs> With a grain of salt. <laughs> a very, a very, very big one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this, is a kind of, this is a question for both of you. Um, this flu season is going to be the first one where the, the public at large really considers COVID to be over. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's still out there. Right. We still have people coming into our inpatient wards with with COVID. We still mm -hmm. have employees who are catching it. We you know, it's still it's still it's it hasn't gone away. Right. Um, so what concerns do each of you have from your your both of your perspectives about flu and COVID at the same time and, and what we need to be watching out for? Yeah. So in my at least in my lane, my area, I'm concerned that there's already a lot of providers, staff, nurses, everybody, they're kind of burned out already. If we have a twindemic, as what a lot of people are calling it, yeah, I've heard that, it, I've heard that right? term a couple of times <laughs> right? now, yeah. And we talked about it many times over different seasons as well. We were so worried two, three years ago about this whole twindemic, and now it seems like it could be a reality. Then we're th talking about a lot more patients that are coming into the hospital. We're talking about overwhelming of resources again, like we've seen before. We've seen this before. This isn't anything new. And we're going to talk about 
maybe some death. And that's what we want to try to avoid because people get overwhelmed and it's hard to deal with all the things all at once and they may not perform quite as well. And then the patients are as sick as they could ever be. And so then things happen and we have complications and then, you know, we see death. I've published at least one paper regarding flu in the past where it causes arrhythmias in young patients, those that may not have gotten vaccinated. So that's the biggest push that we can say today. Probably the, the whole, um, I guess, homework for everybody to think about is let's get vaccinated. So that's what I'm really concerned about is making sure that we can avoid all of these tragedies that could occur just by something so simple. And Leslie, you know, you're, you're more focused on the staff side, right? So, so what, what are we doing kind of up, uh, up in the wards and everything to get our staff ready for, you know, the possibility of like a twindemic where you have a lot of COVID and a lot of flu that's, you know, now because people are unmasked and it both, you know, vulnerable to both? Well, from an outpatient perspective, we like to focus a lot on prevention and education. So especially in those high-risk populations, we have a lot of veterans that have a lot of comorbidities. And certain comorbidities and multi-comorbidities put you at higher risk from having bad outcomes if you end up contracting the flu and COVID or one or the other or both together. So we really focus on a lot of prevention and education. So educating our veterans to continue, you know, the hand hygiene, number one, and you know, we aren't wearing masks as much except here, you know, in our mm-hmm. in the hospital. You know, we wear masks as professional healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Um, so encouraging our veterans to do the hand hygiene, promoting vaccines. So our immunization nurses that we have at several of our clinics and here at the hospital, they will call veterans and actively try to get them to come in and ask them if they're interested in getting any of these vaccines, you know, including pneumonia too. Mm-hmm. So we don't want any of our veterans having pneumonia and COVID as well, because that puts them at even higher risk for a negative outcome. Um, I think that, you know, those are the big things is focusing on prevention and education with, with our, with our veterans. So what, what uh, attitudes are you both seeing amongst our veterans when, you know, we start talking about things like there's the possibility of that twindemic and this is really, um, you know, is there, is there more of a push to get vaccinated? Are you getting more questions about, Hey, when can I get my flu vaccine? Um, or, or are people just kind of back to business as normal now? Yeah, I mean, at least um, where I'm seeing it in the clinic, um, especially, the response seems to be pretty positive uh, for the most part. I know that there are those outliers. There's definitely those that are telling me, I'm done with this. You know, I don't want to <laughs> deal with this anymore. I just want to get back to the way it was before. And I don't think we can ever get back to the way it was before. We, and that's not where we want to be where hand hygiene was poor, where we really weren't doing a lot overall to protect ourselves and other people, and not really thinking about the comorbidities that people may have, the weakened immune systems they may have. The, the kind of people that come into my clinic all the time, they're, they're people that may look okay to, to somebody who hasn't seen them or doesn't know their history. But since we know, and we should know, we know that they really need it. And so we just do our best in a compassionate and gentle way to say, hey, yes, this would be a good thing. And overall, I think, you know, when we talk about it, usually the nurse that's there with me will uh, 
will say that first and because they're a little bit more gentler and much better looking than me <laughs> then they get a much better response and so they usually say i'm ready for my my flu vaccine or whatever it takes for them to be protected uh, tell me a little bit talk a little bit about you know at this point if somebody has you know the the long covid uh, symptoms. Um, it's long, right? Yeah. You know, we, we've, you've, you may have had long COVID for, you know, three years now, almost. Yeah. How does flu interact with people with long COVID and things like that? And, and why, you know, even if you, you've had COVID before or something, why should you go and get your flu vaccine on top of that? Yeah, I mean, I already, I mean, they're kind of strained. They're already challenged with foggy mentation. They're challenged with low energy perhaps they've missed a lot of work already so to then have this on top of it their immune system may have been already sort of strained and challenged because of this whole thing so to have another virus on top of it they're not necessarily going to have so much of the viral syndrome afterwards because of flu because we haven't seen that quite as abundantly as we have with COVID. But they are going to, in the, the, the time that they're having the ad, active infection, they're going to be challenged with more issues with not being able to be functional for work. Um, all the other things that go along with it, arrhythmias, et cetera, that we've seen over time with this. And maybe not all the population, but definitely in those that are more immunosuppressed and have other challenges they're dealing with. Okay, well, that's some pretty good information there about why you should get your flu vaccine this year. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with how you get your flu vaccine, at least through the VA Southern Nevada healthcare system this year. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada healthcare system. We'll be back with more right after this. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Question, what will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. This label lists the medicine's active ingredients and purpose, how much to take, and warnings you should know before using it. Remember, even OTC medicines you buy without a prescription can cause side effects you don't want. So follow the information listed on the drug facts label. For more information, visit fda.gov slash drug facts label. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your host, Joshua Gray. And welcome back to The Nine Line. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, joined by Dr. Jason Daisley and Leslie Murphy. And we're going to be talking to Leslie here now in this little bit of the, the program because she's got all of our information about how you get your flu shot. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that folks can get a, can get a flu shot. So what's, what's our basic strategy, 
right now for 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 vaccinating veterans you know when we when we vaccinated against covid we had our our point of dispensing center set up and it was tables 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 everywhere and shot 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 right um are, are we going to be doing something similar to that um for for the flu vaccine for veterans or is it just you know talk to your talk to your pack team um how, how's that going to work you know, our strategy is to make it as easy for our veterans as possible to get their flu vaccines. They have several options. So yeah, they could go to their PAC teams and they can get their vaccinations through their clinics. They could schedule an appointment or they can walk in. We always accept walk-ins and we have wonderful immunization nurses at our clinics that can assist them with that. In addition, this year it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have um, flu carts set up at the entrances to the hospital and in our ED fast track area. So there'll be three different locations here at the medical center that we can administer those vaccines. The flu carts are going to start on October the 11th and they're going to be set up at the northwest and northeast entrances from 7.30 to 16, 4.30. 7.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon. And then also in the ED, it'll be Monday through Friday and the hours are a little later from 8.30 until 6.30. Okay, um, so why why are we doing those, those fast tracks then? I mean, I know we used to do like drive-through flu shots and we've kind of gone away from doing that. Um, so why why do the fast track locations just at the the main hospital? Why not do it? Was it ever talked about to do it at like at all of our RPCCs, all of our community clinics also? You know, in previous years, we had offered the drive through clinics and it wasn't as successful as we want it to be. So we feel by this year, we have a brand new team of nurses that are designated just as immunization nurses that we've added on just this previous year. So they're at our Northeast, Northwest, Southeast and Southwest clinics, as well as here at the main campus in our ID clinic. So that's something new that we started this year and we've really seen some increase in our immunizations and they're doing all immunizations not just the flu shot but any shot that you want the the shingles the pneumonia covid um all of those are are there at our immunization clinics laughlin and Perump, you could still walk in and get your vaccines there as well but we're hoping by doing this and setting up the carts at all different three areas within the hospital it'll make it easier for our veterans to get to that um, we considered the drive-through clinic again but it just wasn't as successful as we wanted it to be previously i mean it's, it sounds like with the carts it's like well i'm here for i need to get some labs done Oh, I might as well get my flu shot on the way out the door. Literally on my way out the door also, right? Yeah. One stop or shop. The, yeah. Or the way in the door. <laughs> yes. Man, it sounds like you could just walk down the hall and get a vaccine here. And, like, somebody's just going to jump out from behind a water cooler and jab you in the arm with something. We That's promise great. we will not do that. We promise we won't do that. We're not going to be scaring anybody. <laughs> Even for Halloween. Even for Halloween. <laughs> so what are some of the community resources that, that folks can get to? Because, you know, sometimes folks are they're a little bit more housebound or you know they don't have mobility uh, or they just don't want to come all the way up to the to the any of our facilities right why why go all the way up to north las vegas when i've got a walgreens right up the street so what are if if we've got a veteran who wants to get the flu vaccine but they don't necessarily want to come here um what's their what are their options and then how do they report that back to their their pack team 
Excellent, excellent question. Um, so all eligible veterans are able to access several of our no-cost community partners. So we, they can get their vaccines through Walmart, Kroger, Safeway, Costco, Walgreens, CVS. Those are just a few of them. Eligible veterans, though, is the key. So they'd have to ensure that they are eligible. Um, they can check with their PAC teams to see if they're eligible, or there is a phone number that you can call. It's 1-800-MY-VA-411. And then there's options that you select to determine your eligibility. But we have several community partners that offer those no-cost vac flu vaccines for our veterans. So they just need to walk in and show, like, their, their ID, uh, authorizing them VA care, and then they just get their shot and they're out the door? Or how does that work? Yeah, they would have to show that they are a, v a veteran. Um, but they have to determine their eligibility ahead of time because if they don't meet the eligibility criteria, they could still be end up being charged okay so, so check eligibility first by going through your pack team or calling that 1-800-MY-VA-411 number so we've heard a lot about you know we were talking a little bit earlier about the the covid you know covid vaccines and now there's a a third booster that's out right um what if, if somebody is interested in getting their third booster at the same time as getting their flu shot, can they get them both at the same time? Do they have to wait? Um, how, how is that, is that even something we're offering? Absolutely. We absolutely want them to get their COVID boosters and their flu shots. So they could go into their, their PAC team, so the primary care clinic or the ID clinic to get both of those shots at the same time. At the flu carts though, we're only giving the flu vaccine at the flu cart. So if, but we would, if they ask about the COVID vaccine, we would direct them down to the ID clinic where they could walk in and get that COVID vaccine. Um, I've had several veterans ask me just today when I was assisting down in the employee flu pod about getting both their flu and COVID, and I walked them down to our ID clinic so they can get those. I forgot to mention on your previous question about notifying us if they receive their vaccines in the community. So it's really important that we keep their records, you know, the, our veterans' records up to date and current so we can provide the best care to them. So if our veterans do get their flu shots or any other shots in the community, please notify your PAC team. You can do that in person or you can do it via secure messaging through your My Healthy Vet account. All we need to know is what vaccine you received, where you got it, and when you got it. That's all we need to know. And then we can update your medical record. And you should get, wherever you get it from, you should get a little printout, right? That says, exactly. you know, lot numbers and all that stuff just in case, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't need to document lot numbers. Okay just the where and the when mm -hmm. perfect and what kind of vaccine that you ended up getting but yes you can ask when you get your vaccines at any one of our community partners you can ask them for a record of that a printout to bring it in okay. or again using secure messaging as well perfect yeah, we always inquire about that anyway afterwards but it's always better to get it beforehand so bring it along <laughs> <laughs> so one last question that i've got real quick kind of on the the uh topic of the, the the covid and flu booster is it is it two separate shots or like can you mix that together and just do do it in one one jab is that even possible i don't i don't know how, how does that work 
Yeah, I think in the future that could be very real, that, that possibility. But we don't have that studied yet as together in one sort of a dose shot. And so for now, they're going to be separate until we have some more data because everything is data driven. And I think that's important that we should never judge anything based on one experience or one time that we try something new. It's going to always be based on thousands, even millions sometimes of patients that are put together in a study so we can study it appropriately, make sure that what we're doing is working and make sure we're not treating people like guinea pigs. So. Well, excellent. Yeah. Well, look forward to that because <laughs> right. the fewer needles, the better as Amen. far as I'm concerned. Those right? needles are sharp. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I, God, I, I would hate to have a blunt needle. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> Thankfully, they are very sharp. Yes. Anyways, folks, that's uh, it's going to wrap it up here for this episode of The Nine Line. We've, uh, we've been talking about flu shots. It's very, very important. And uh, uh, Leslie, why don't you go ahead and just give me the hours just one more time for the flu carts. And uh, if, if somebody wants to get a flu, flu shot right now that's not at those flu shots, can they just walk into their pack team and get it? Are we offering flu shots, but we just haven't started the, the, the carts yet? How, how, how does that work? Absolutely. Anybody interested in getting their flu vaccine, they can go into their primary care clinics or here at the main hospital. And Starting the, right now. The ID clinic, right now we have all doses available. So we have the regular dose for the flu vaccine, and we also have the high dose for those veterans that are age 65 and older. Um, the flu carts, those will be starting on October 11th, Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 4.30 p.m. at the Northwest and Northwest East entrances of the hospital, as well as in the ED Fast Track Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 6.30 p.m. Excellent. Perfect. Well, thank you both for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, except for talking about needles. That's never a pleasure. But <laughs> Never. All right. All right, folks. So there you go. There's all the information you need. If you want to go get your flu shots for this year, highly recommended. Go get that jab. And we'll see you again in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.